Bibles with me today uh, to, the Mar- uh, to the Gospel of Mark, the 12th chapter, continuing our study uh, this week on uh, the, the life of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus from the Gospel of Mark. And Jesus is nearing the end of his earthly ministry now. He's in the final week. This is uh, the, the, the week of leading up to his death on the cross. And Jesus is in the, um, he's, he's in the temple. He's been um, ministering there, and he has cleansed the temple. He has made some enemies, Jesus has, you know, in the last few days. He has uh, upset some people. God forbid that we would upset anybody. But Jesus has upset some people. He's upset some religious leaders. He has upset the uh, Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes and the religious leaders of that time. And uh, so they are trying to trap Jesus. Lots of luck on that one. See how that works out for you. They're trying to catch him in his words. They're trying to find something that they can accuse him of. So in this, um, and you know, they did this a lot. These religious leaders did it. Every time they did it, it backfired on them. I, I, I love I love to read these accounts of, of Jesus and how, you know, they think they've got him. They've asked him a question. There's no way he's going to get out of this. We got him now, and, and, and it would, he would give them an answer that would make them look so dumb. Amen? And uh, so he does that here. So in, in verse number 13, are you there in Mark 12? And here they are. They come to Jesus, and it says that, Then they sent to him, to Jesus, some of the Pharisees and the Herodians to catch him in his words. And then, or when they had come, they said to him, Teacher, and notice now how they try to butter him up. Man, you talk about some hypocrites. These guys, these guys wrote the book on hypocrisy. Teacher, We know that you are true and you care about no one for you do not regard the person of men but teach the way of God in truth. We know how what a good teacher you are. We really respect that. Just lying through their teeth. He was a good, what they said was true but they didn't believe any of that. They're just trying to trap him. So here's their question. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Oh, they got him now. Shall we pay or shall we not pay? But Jesus, knowing their hypocrisy, said to them, he knew, I mean, you can see right through this. He knew they were baiting him. He knew they were trying to butter him up. He knew they were setting a trap for him. And see, that's the thing, you know, here, they were trying to make Jesus by, by, to, either deny, um, to either deny Caesar 
and to say, no, we don't pay taxes to Caesar. And if they could get Jesus to do that and to deny Caesar, then they could classify him or call him a rebel or an insurrectionist. But then if he said, oh, yeah, we need to pay homage to Caesar, then they could say, well, he, he worships Caesar. So they thought either way he answers this, they've got him now. But Jesus, knowing their hypocrisy, said, Why do you test me? Bring me a denarius that I might see it. The denarius, the King James calls it a penny. The denarius was the coin that was minted by Rome. It was the, the, the tax money to pay that tax with. And Jesus said, Bring that coin here. So they brought it and Jesus said to them, Okay, whose image and inscription is this? And they said, Caesar's. And who had his picture, it had his inscription on the coin. They said, well, it's Caesar's. And Jesus answered and said to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. Hallelujah. Chalk up another one for Jesus. Amen? Praise God. But I want to use that for my text this morning in verse number 17, where Jesus said, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And I want to talk to you for a little bit this morning, something that I don't know that I've ever taught or preached on, but I'm going to talk to you for a little bit about what the Bible says concerning the separation between church and state. What does the Bible say? Jesus actually answers that question right here in this verse of Scripture when he said, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. What Jesus was saying here was that we have a responsibility to both God and we have a responsibility to our government. Now it's going to get quiet now, isn't it? But that's what he was saying. That we have a responsibility, and as Christians, we do have a responsibility both to God and to our government. But I must say this, that our responsibility to God must always come before our responsibility to our government and to the laws of the land. Now, the phrase, the separation of church and state... It comes as a surprise to a lot of people. And uh, Mark has, has mentioned this to me before. We've talked about it. But that phrase, the separation of, of church and state, you would think as much as it has been used as a, as a pry bar and been used by politicians and has been used by um, the ACLU and different organizations, you would think that that was found in our Constitution. 
But that phrase, the separation of church and state, is not found in the Constitution of the United States of America. Actually, um, the, the separation of church and state, that, that phrase came from Thomas Jefferson. Is that right, Brother Mark? It came from Thomas Jefferson, uh, and it was in a letter, a correspondence that he had written that contained the phrase, and he used this phrase, a wall of separation between church and state. But the meaning of that was that the government should stay out of the church. The wall of separation between church and state is that government can come so far, but you stay out of the affairs of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It does not mean, however, that the church is to stay out of the affairs of the government. It was never, that, that, that phrase was never intended to mean the separation of God from government. Are you with me? Because I can tell you, and I think every one of us would agree this morning, that our government needs God. And our founding fathers never intended in any way, never intended for, 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 our, for the church not to have an impact or an influence in our government and never intended for our government to be godless and for our government to be atheistic and for our government to deny the word of God and the things of God. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. Our government needs God today. Our politicians need God today. Washington, D.C. needs God today. Are you with me? Hallelujah. Now, we do have a First Amendment that says this. This is in the Constitution. Uh, Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech or the press, or the right of the people to peaceably, peaceably to assemble. Now, what does that First Amendment mean to us? It means this, that there is to be no state-run church. No state church. And that the state, the government, the state is never to, to put a bridle upon the church. The state is never to impose on our rights to worship God according to the dictates of our conscience. And the state is never to abridge our freedom of speech. And I want to tell you something this morning. I think we are all aware of the fact that this First Amendment is under attack today as it refers to us, as it pertains to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in America today. And, I, you know, we've talked about this, and I am so grateful today for the, the, the right that we have and the freedom that we have in America as believers, that we can come together as a church and assemble together and worship our God. And there's not any Gestapo out here that meets us at the gate with machine guns and says, you can't worship today. We're shutting you down. Come on, somebody. Oh, there's a move on today. I don't know if anybody's aware of this or not. There's a move on today to shut 
the church down, to shut the mouth of preachers, that, that, that first amendment right to peaceably assemble, that first amendment right to our freedom of speech, that first amendment right, that, that, that no law respecting the establishment of religion or the prohibiting, the prohibiting of the free exercise thereof is being, is come under attack today. And I'm gonna tell you what, unless the church gets to praying and stands up and stands strong, we'll lose that right in this nation today. I said we'll lose that right. We can't afford to allow what's going on to continue to go on and to continue to take place in this nation. The Declaration of Independence tells us that this and says we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and that they are endued by their creator, endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. See, our, father, our founding fathers, when they, when they penned those words, they recognized and they acknowledged that the government does not give us our rights. Our rights, and I do thank God for those, for the Bill of Rights, and I thank God for our First Amendment right, and I thank God for our Second Amendment rights. I thank God for that we have those rights in America today. But our fathers, in that, in that Declaration of Independence, they recognized and they realized and they acknowledged that our rights do not come from our government or from our Constitution. Our rights rights come from our creator they come from almighty god praise the lord amen the government is to recognize those rights the government is to honor those rights and the government is not to infringe upon them or to try to take those god-given rights that we have away from us and it is our god-given right and thank god it is a political privilege as well for us to come together and worship the lord jesus christ in the house of god Hallelujah, amen? So we must take advantage the rights. And it, it, listen, uh, it may come a day where, as I said, the government tries to take away the right that we have to come together and worship. But they cannot take away the right that God Almighty has endowed us with to come together and worship. It may come a day I pray not, but it could come a day where it's illegal or against the law. And if certain people, oh, here I go, if certain people are elected into office in November, we are in big, 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 big trouble. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is. Amen, and I may say a little bit about that a little later on, but we need to wake up because if it comes to that place where it becomes illegal for us to come together and worship, that does not mean, and I tell you, they've been pushing the button on us here lately just to see how far they can go, but if it becomes illegal, we still have the right. We may have to go against the law, against the the government, but we will not go against Almighty God and against the Word of Almighty God. 
will still worship the Lord. Amen? Oh, gosh, I tell you. So we have a duty, and what Jesus was saying here was this, that we have render to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. He was saying here, and and this refers to a separation between the church and the state. There's a difference here, that we as Christians are to render some things. We, are, we have a duty to human government. How many believe that? We do. And I'm going to mention some things. We have a duty to human government, but we also have a duty to a holy God. And our duty to God and our obedience to God must, will always trump our duty our duty to human government, all right? <laughs> oh, I know I'm making some folks mad, but I'm, I can't help it. I got to pray. I told y'all way back before COVID-19, ever hit, I told you, I said to this church, I said, the closer we get to the 2020 elections, the more people we will probably lose because I'm gonna have to obey the Lord and stand up and, and declare what's right and what's wrong. What our duty and our obligation is as Christians. Hallelujah. So we do have a duty to human government. Jesus said to render to Caesar what is Caesar. So what is our duty to human government? First of all, and none of us like this one, so I'm not going to stay on this long. First of all, we have, as Christians, a duty, and Jesus mentioned it here, we have a duty to pay for our government. <laughs> Amen. I never thought I'd ever get up in a pulpit and, and tell people that it's biblical for us to pay taxes because that's something none of us like to do, isn't it? Amen. And, uh, but it is biblical. So Jesus said here to render to Caesar that which is Caesar. So we are to pay taxes. Paul, writing in Romans chapter number 13, verses 1 through 7, And uh, Paul talks about uh, the establishment of human government and our relationship as Christians to government. But one of the things that Paul mentioned there in verses 6 and 7 of Romans 13, he says that because of this, because government has been, and I want to clarify this, because good government, I'm not talking about evil government, but good government has been established by God. And uh, because of this, you also pay taxes. Render, therefore, to all their due taxes to whom taxes are due, custom to whom custom is due, and so forth and so on. So we are to pay taxes as Christians. We don't like that. I don't necessarily like um, how all of our, uh, they they use our tax money. Every government has to, whether it's a local government, state government, federal government, all government has to have finances to operate and so they acquire that money through taxes and um, we, none of us like that but we're, we're stuck with it. What's, what do they say? The only two things 
sure in the world's death and taxes. So that's the two things that we're stuck with. Jesus said in this example, not only in what he said here in Mark chapter 11 or Mark chapter 12, but Jesus also set the example one time and uh, in Matthew chapter 17. That his disciples were asked in Capernaum, they were asked uh, if Jesus paid taxes, if he paid the temple tax. Uh, uh, does your teacher pay the temple tax? They asked that to Peter. And Peter just answered, he didn't, he just said, yes, yes, he does. And so Peter got to thinking about it and, and he was going to ask Jesus about it when they got back to the house there at Capernaum and Jesus knew what Peter was going to ask and he knew what Peter was thinking and so he, he addressed the situation and uh, he told Peter, he said, in, in, so that we don't offend them, he said, we want to pay that temple tax so he said, well, obviously they didn't have the money to pay the tax with. I know there's some that teach that Jesus was wealthy and Jesus was rich in his earthly walk, but he didn't have money at this particular time to pay taxes, so he told Peter to go fishing. And he told Peter, he said, go throw in a line, and the first fish that you pull out, open its mouth, put, you'll find a coin in the fish's mouth. I just love the way Jesus knows how to meet your need, amen? And you pull that coin out of his mouth and take that coin and go pay your tax in mind and the coin that he pulled out was exactly the coin that he needed to pay it was a shekel and the tax was half a shekel apiece and Jesus said take that shekel and go pay your tax and my tax so Jesus set the example in paying taxes we have to do it so that's one of our obligations as Christians is that we pay for our government but secondly and more much more important than that is that as Christians we should pray for our government. I said we should pray for our government. Paul said this to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. He said, therefore I exhort first First of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Verse 2, for kings and all who are in authority <clears throat> that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. So here the, 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 the Apostle Paul is telling us the whole Holy Spirit through him is telling us that we are to pray for those who are in authority, for kings. We don't have a king today here. We have a president. And um, uh, when Paul wrote this, he was the king at that day was Nero. He was a very evil, wicked man, a very wicked king, and he persecuted the church. Nero did. He he was he was uh, responsible for having Christians put to death. But yet Paul said to pray for those kings and for those who are in authority. Well, we don't have a king today, but we do have a president. We do have a Congress. Help us, Jesus. We do have a Senate, amen, and those who are, who are our legislators need our prayers. Our president, Donald Trump, needs Christians to stand and to pray for him every single day. I pray for our president every day. You need to pray. Well, I, you know, somebody might say, well, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a never Trumper. I, I don't think that if you are, you'd be here today. But anyway, uh, so 
some people might say, well, you know, I, I didn't vote for him. I'm not praying for him. It don't matter whether you like him or whether you don't. If you're a Christian, if you're born again, if you claim to know Jesus, you're commanded by the word of God to pray for your president. He needs our prayers. He covets our prayers. He needs them. He said that he, that he covets the prayers of the church. He's been, listen, I'm gonna tell you something. Here I go again, but let me tell you something. This president right now has done more in favor to the Christians and to the church than any president that I'm aware of. More to be a help to the church. And I'm not here today to be to, to be political, but I am here today to let you know where we're at and what the Bible says about the separation between church and state. It's a one-way street. They're not to impose on us, but we are to impose the gospel and our prayers and the word of God and our influence on them. If you ever separate God from government, you've got a mess. That's the problem today in this nation. God has been kicked out of government. The Ten Commandments, prayer, kicked out. God voted out. That's the problem that we have today. And I believe with all of my heart, folks, that the problems that we are seeing in America today stem from a prayer problem in the church. And I'm trying to call you all to pray for America and to pray for our nation. You know, Daniel chapter 10 reveals something. If you've ever studied Daniel chapter 10, but Daniel 10 reveals that uh, a, a fact, a truth that there are Powerful fallen angels, principalities, powers of darkness that exercise control over nations and leaders. There was a prince of Persia. It was a fallen angel that, that Daniel didn't know. He was praying. He had been fasting and praying for 21 days. The answer didn't come. The answer didn't come. The answer didn't come. And finally, on the 21st day, Gabriel, the angel Gabriel, showed up with the answer. And he told Daniel, he said, from the first day that you set yourself to pray and to seek the Lord, I was sent with the answer. But for the last 21 days, the prince of the kingdom of Persia with me. That was not a literal prince, but it was the, a principality. It was a fallen angel that had been set by Satan over that kingdom of Persia at that time. And it was causing what was going on in that, in that kingdom and in that nation at that time. Daniel, through his prayers, through his continued prayers, praise God, won victory over that demonic principality and the angel Gabriel came and broke its power. I believe God is looking today in America for some intercessors to pray for America. It is a spiritual battle, ladies and gentlemen. It is a spiritual warfare that we're in. What you see going on in this nation today with Antifa and with Black Lives Matter. There I said it. 
I don't believe Sister Yvette takes offense at that at all. Amen. I like what Sister Katie said. If you have to put a color before lives matter, then you're the one that's got the problem. You're the one that's got the racist problem. Woo, hallelujah, help me Jesus. We are not wrestling, Paul said, against flesh and blood. But we're our wrestling and our battle and our warfare. Ephesians 6.12 says that it's against principalities and against powers and against the rulers of the darkness of this world and against spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. There are evil principalities that Satan has got established and set up over this nation that is causing what we're seeing be, uh, see going on today with all the mess and the looting and the and the, and the <laughs> peace protest. Come on, somebody. Wake up! Amen? There's an evil principality. And do you know what will break that? There's only one thing that will break through that. There's only one thing that will overcome that. There is a power that's greater than that. And it's the power of the Lord Jesus, the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. And he's looking for a church that will stand, stand in the gap and make up the hedge and hold back the judgment and pray and pray and pray for our nation and for our leaders. Woo! Hallelujah. Amen. The Bible says in Proverbs 21 and 1 that the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. I love that. The king or the president, let's use that. The president's heart is in the hand of the Lord and like the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. That's why God is saying for us to Pray for our leaders and for our nation. We need to be praying for our president. We need to be praying for our governor. We need to be praying for our mayors. We need to be praying for our aldermen, our city councils. We need to be praying for our city administrators. Are you listening to me? For those who are in authority, all of them. Why? Why do we need to be doing it? We need to be praying for our school board, our school superintendents, our school boards. Hallelujah! In the decisions that they have to make. And Brother Ricky, why do we need to do that? Because it's good government that God wants. And he said that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness. See the government that God wants. His desires a good government where the gospel of Jesus Christ can be freely proclaimed. Hallelujah! Where the word of God can be preached. Where worship of the saints can take place. Good government is what we need. And those powers of darkness are working to shut down the good government and transform the government of America into an evil Marxist, socialistic government, communistic government and the Christian better stand up today and pray against that evil. Hallelujah. Amen. We're to pray, pray, pray. Pray for God to change the hearts of leaders. Pray for God to save some. Save all of them. Pray for God to remove some. And replace them. Does God do that? Well, Daniel 
2.21 said he removes, God removes kings and raises up kings. My prayer for some politicians is in Psalm 109.8. says, let his days be few and let another take his office. Amen. So we pray for them, but then we go out and exercise this Tuesday and on November 3rd and exercise our right and our privilege to vote and to vote for righteousness. Amen? To vote for righteousness. To vote for what is right. Find out where where these candidates stand on the issues, the moral issues. I'll tell you what, it's, there's no gray area anymore, ladies and gentlemen. You can't miss it now. There's no gray area. It's, 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 it's right. You know, we, we, we're so concerned about, well, you know, being on the right or being on the left. And, and listen, it, it's, not a, it's, not a, it's not a case of being, being on the right or left. It's the case of being right or wrong. It's just right or wrong. And we're living in that time that Isaiah spoke of in Isaiah 5. When, when Isaiah said, woe be to them that call good evil and evil good. And replace bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Are you listening to me? Woe be to them. We're there today. That which is good, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, is being singled out and called evil. And that which is evil and which is, that which is looting and rioting and burning and destroying is being called good are you listening somebody needs to wake up and get on their knees the church needs to wake up I know you you know I can't help it if you don't like it because God has called me and told me I've got to put the trumpet to my lips and sound the alarm and blow the trumpet I'm not trying to be popular. I'm not trying to to win an election. Thank God I ain't up for voting. Glory to God. But even if I was, I've got to declare what thus says the Lord. Amen. So we owe our nation prayer. But that leads to my third point, and that is we need to preach to our nation. We pay for our government We pray for our government and our nation, and we are to also have the responsibility to preach to our nation and to our government. Well, Brother Rick, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Well, listen, let me read to you Proverbs 24, 11. I want to get finished here, so hang with me. Listen to what he says. If I forbear to deliver them that are drawn to death and those that are ready to be slain. In other words, if I know there's a problem, that somebody's in trouble, that they're near death, that they're about ready to be slain. If I know that and I hold back 
and forbear and do not deliver them. If you say, behold, we knew it not, or, ah, well, you know, what will be, will be. Does not he that ponders the heart consider it, speaking of God, and he that speaks keeps the soul, does he not know it? And shall not he render to every man according to his works? So it's the responsibility today of preachers in pulpits in America to stand up and to say, this is what the Lord says. That is one of our problems today. We've had too many preachers preaching a social gospel and we need preachers that will preach what this book says. Amen. We cannot, listen to me church, we cannot remain silent. We've got to speak up. We've got to declare the word of God. The preachers in America need to preach God's word with power and with fire. I mean, you find it all through the Bible. It was the prophet Nathan that walked into King David and said, you are the man and you are wrong. The preacher telling the king he needed to get right with God. Is anybody here? And then it was Elijah, the mighty, fiery prophet of God that marched into Ahab's palace, wicked Ahab and wicked Jezebel, and said, it ain't raining till I say so. You need to get right with God. It was Daniel who preached to that mighty king Nebuchadnezzar and said, because of your pride, God is gonna cut you down. It was Moses who walked into Pharaoh's court and stood there and said, thus saith the Lord, let my people go. Come on, somebody, hallelujah. It was a John the Baptist that stood up before Herod and said, you're sinning. It's not wrong. I mean, it's not law. It's wrong for you to live with your brother's wife. See, the pulpits of America need to lift up their voices and trumpet. The pulpits of America need to be sounding the alarm because we are God's watchmen on the wall and there's danger, 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 danger. Woo! Brother Steve, after church last Sunday, shared a verse with me that ministered to my heart that the Lord instructed him to share with me from Isaiah 62, verse 7. And the Lord ministered me through this when he gave it to me, and it says, I have set watchmen on your walls of Jerusalem. Listen, they shall never hold their peace day or night. You who make mention of the Lord, do not keep silent. I can't shut up. I can't be quiet. Oh, hallelujah, I pray nobody leaves, but everybody stays. But, but, but I want you to know you've got a pastor today that will not s- sit down and shut up. Hallelujah, I, are you listening to me? That, that, that's the big problem. I, and I, you know what, I'm not, con- I'm not condemning anybody. Amen? I, I'm not condemning or criticizing anybody that, that wants to wear a face mask. I, I, please don't misunderstand me. But I, I do have a problem with a mandate that tells everybody, you know why? That is a sign of hushing your mouth. That is a sign of submission. That is a sign we don't want to hear from you. I refuse to do it. I said I refuse to do it. You can do what you want to. 
I tell you, there's some pretty graphic things on, if you'll just Google this and look it up, some of them have been taken down, but there's some pictures of the slavery days where those slave masters, and there's nothing any more vile and wicked than what went on with slavery. We understand. Thank God that it's over and done. We need to let it rest. But there's pictures of those of those precious African-American people that had been, had a mask put over their face in submission to say, you don't talk back to me. And if you don't think, if you don't think that the government in their mandates are not saying the same thing, you need to wake up and smell the roses, somebody. It's exactly what they're saying. We'll tell you where to go. We'll tell you where you can buy. We'll tell you where you can sell. And you have to do what we tell you to do. Now, places I have to go, I have to take Vicki. She's gone. Rapture took place. (laughs) I have to take her to her kidney doctor in St. Louis. You have to wear a face mask. I can understand that in a, in a setting like that. You're in a hospital. You're in a doctor's office. I can understand that. But I ain't understanding it for lows. Oh, now, see, I, I got to move. Glory to God. We need some preachers or Walmart. Yeah, we might as well throw them in there. I will say this, I'm patronizing the stores that have not mandated it. They leave it up to you, it's your choice. You have a choice. I don't know if this is going over too good or not. We need some preachers that will preach the word. Dietrich Bonhoeffer made this statement. He said this, I know some, some may or they may not be familiar with who he was. He was a Lutheran pastor who stood up against the Nazis and Adolf Hitler and was imprisoned for that. He said this, silence in the face of evil, in the face of evil is evil itself. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. An evangelist friend of mine on Facebook, Brother Jason Stidham, had this quote, had this quote on there yesterday, and I shared it. I loved it. It just touched my heart. Preachers silent on politics will be silenced by politics. Preachers silent on politics will be silenced by politics. Ladies and gentlemen, just, you know, you know who, who was it said? Those that forget the past are doomed to repeat it. If you forget the past that has happened in, 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 in uh, Germany and with the Nazis and with all of that, if you forget that, we're doomed to repeat it. I, I don't want to get off my, my subject today, but we are to, pr- we're to preach, we're to speak, we're to talk, we're to say, hallelujah, what thus saith the Lord. 
Martin Niemöller. And I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right or not, but he was a prominent Lutheran pastor in Germany who became very outspoken, a very outspoken public foe of Adolf Hitler as well. He spent the last seven years of Nazi rule in a concentration camp. And he said this, this is his quote, you've heard it before. He said, when the Nazis came for the communists, I didn't speak up because I was not a communist. When they came for the Jews, I said nothing. I didn't speak up because I was not a Jew. When they came for the trade unionists, I didn't speak up because I wasn't a part of the trade unions. When they came for the Catholics, I didn't speak up because I was a Protestant and not a Catholic. But then when they came for me, by that time there was nobody left to speak. Nobody spoke up for me. God, help the church to stand up and speak up and take a stand. Glory to God. Glory to God. Abraham Lincoln asked a little boy one time, said, how many legs does your dog have? He said, four. He said, well, what if we called the tail a leg? How many legs would he have then? Little boy said, well, he'd have five. Lincoln said, no, you're wrong. He would still have four. Because just calling a tail a leg doesn't make it a leg. Oh, come on, amen? We need some preachers that will call a tail a tail and a leg a leg and a sin a sin and what's right, right. Hallelujah! Preach the word. Be instant in season and out. Reprove and rebuke with all long suffering and doctrine. Yes, we owe our nation. We owe them our taxes. We pay them. We pray for them. We preach to them. But we owe our nation our patriotism. I said we owe America, our country, our government, our nation, our patriotism. Hallelujah. Patriotism is a virtue that is taught in the Word of God. Psalm 137 says this, verse 5, the psalmist said, If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. If I do not remember you, let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. If I do not exalt Jerusalem above my chief joy. That's a patriot talking right there. I said, that's a patriot talking right there. Hallelujah. He said, if I do not remember you, let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. I can think of some politicians and I can think of some entertainers today. I can think of some sports celebrities right now that I would like to pray that for. Let their tongue cling to the roof of their mouth. Hush them up. See, patriotism, ladies and gentlemen, is a love for your country. Patriotism is a loyalty to your country. I still believe, and you know me, I still believe in a flag-waving, teary-eyed, heart-thumping and patriotism. I still believe that any good, red-blooded, born-again American Christian will stand up for old glory and will sing with all their heart, America, uh, God bless America, and will respect our flag, and will respect our anthem. And I'm telling you right now, I'm all together finished, done, through with professional sports. I hope they shut the whole mess down forever. Glory to God. It's so sad. I've been a St. Louis Cardinals baseball fan since I was a little kid. I'd sit in Cape 
when I was a little kid and take my notebook paper and make me a scorecard with paper and a pen. And I'd write their name, Brock, Flood, you know, those old timers that were on there. Write their names down and keep score of their hits and all of that. I've followed them since all my life. I've been a, a Cardinals fan. I've, I've always loved the St. Louis Cardinals. And I hate to say it, but I'm done. I've been a football fan all my life. NFL fan. But I'm done. We could go on and on and on and on and on. Why? But this, this, this nonsense right here, this foolishness right here, when that flag of this country's waving, and that national anthem's playing, and the whole team's kneeled down like this, and you got one. Yeah, there's been two pro athletes, one on a basketball team, and the other one was on, a, I think, the, the San Francisco Giants baseball team that was still standing, had the courage, had more courage than a lot of Christians, than a lot of church, Pentecostal church folks, and they're still standing. Glory be to God when everybody else was kneeling. Hallelujah. Amen. When these teams get up and support, I'm going to say it again, when they support organizations such as Black Lives Matter, they, do, do you understand what that organization stands for? It's Marxist. It's communist. They're against, listen to me, they're not for black lives. It's all together now, finished from, it's not even about George Floyd anymore. It's about changing this country. They're anti-family. They're pro-gay. They're pro-abortion. They're for everything the church is against. And then I first email I got this morning from Mario Murillo was, now, you know what they've done at Portland, 65 days. Boy, I sound like I'm on a political soapbox, but I, I, help me. 65 days of peaceful protests where buildings are burned and stores are tore down and fires are built but 65 days of that and last night listen to me Black Lives Matter with their sign out Black Lives Matter with their sign out built a bonfire with Bibles with Bibles and took an American flag and hung it over that fire burning with the word of God and consumed that flag and shouted all around it. If you can support that, you need to find an altar somewhere and get yourself right with Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I am for black lives. I am for white lives. I am for yellow lives. I am for red lives. I am for all lives. Jesus didn't just die for the white man. Jesus didn't just die for the red man. Jesus didn't just die for the... Jesus died. He so loved the world that he died for us all. He gave his life for us all. You cut me, I'll bleed red. You cut Miss Yvette, she'll bleed red. God has created us all of one blood and skin color matters not in the eyes of God. Amen. Patriotism. Patriotism. Our duty to this nation, to our government, we owe them our 
patriotism. Brother Jim's dad was in the Battle of the Bulge in World War II. My dad was in the Normandy invasion, the beaches of Normandy on D-Day. God spared him and brought him through. But what were we fighting against then? The same thing we're promoting now. I got a hush. We have a duty. to human government, but Jesus said, render to God the things that are God's. Our duty is to a holy God. Paul told Timothy, 1 Timothy 1.17, now to the eternal, immortal, invisible, to the king, let me quote it right, now to the king, eternal, America does have a king. His name is Jesus. Now to the eternal, eternal, to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, honor and glory, be honor and glory forever and forever. Amen. Amen. We owe something. We have a duty to a holy God. We owe Him our lives. We owe Him our allegiance. We owe Him our love. We owe Him our reverence. We owe Him our obedience. And we must, listen, listen. There may come a time, I'm closing, but there may come a time when I, and I, I can foresee this coming, when I will have to and you will have to civilly be civilly disobedient to our government. The Bible nowhere teaches, nowhere teaches that Christians have to always, in every situation and in every circumstance, obey the government regardless of what they tell us to do. The Bible does not teach that. There may become a time, and probably will, when we will have to be disobedient. Churches right now in California are having to make that decision. Pastor John MacArthur, he, he and I don't see eye to eye on a lot of uh, some doctrinal issues, but Pastor John MacArthur was at Grace Community Church. He pastors at their very large Baptist church has made the decision in the face of Governor Gavin Newsom's mandate that churches cannot gather, cannot meet. John MacArthur has went on record. We will have church. We will meet. They've already threatened him with different things that they can do. They were expecting to go into church and have their electricity shut off. That hasn't happened yet. I'm telling you, church, it's heading this way. There's other churches. I I shared with you, was it last week, about the the churches in Nevada. I'm going to tell you, well, somebody said, well, they're not targeting churches. Listen, when you let casinos have 50% capacity, and when you let movie theaters have 50% capacity, and the church can only have 50 people, Yeah, you're targeting. So there will come the time probably, never thought I'd ever see it in America, when we'll have to be disobedient to our government, but it's happened all through the Bible. Pharaoh commanded the midwives to kill all the male babies, and the midwives feared God more than the king and said, no, we'll not do it. And God honored them for that. 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they were told to bow, said, we will go in the furnace, and we may be a crispy critter, and God, you know, he's able to deliver us, but if he don't, we will not bow to your image, Nebuchadnezzar. Law was passed, Daniel, you can't pray for 30 days. And when he knew the writing was signed, he went right up into his prayer room and he didn't try to hide it. He kicked open the windows toward Jerusalem and knelt down and prayed and defied the law that was against his God. Yeah, we're to be good, good about law-abiding citizens and we're to do that which is right. But when that law crosses the line and that separation wall is broken down and the state comes comes in and says, we cannot have church or we cannot pray or we cannot preach certain things or we have to ordain same-sex marriages and couples. When they say that, then it is our God-given right and duty to stand up and say, no, we will obey God rather than man. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Worship team, make your way back. Listen. In Acts 4, chapter 4, verse 18, the authorities called Peter and John before that council. And they commanded them not to speak, not to teach in the name of Jesus anymore. But here was Peter and John's answer to the authorities, to the, to the leaders. Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you just have to judge that. Here's what Peter said, but we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. In other words, he was saying, we are not listening to you. We're going to continue to preach. Acts 5, 29, Peter. Again, the other apostles called before the council. They had locked them up in jail and an angel got them out. They'd been threatened not to preach and when they went and found them, they was preaching again. They disobeyed the edict of the council. Listen, I'm not not teaching some kind of anarchy. You're not getting that, are you? I'm not teaching rebellion. I'm teaching to be a good law-abiding citizen. But when the laws of man cross the laws of God, we must obey God rather than man. God comes first. God comes first. God comes first. This book comes first. We've been given inalienable rights by our Creator to worship Him and freely preach the Word of God. Somebody said, well, you know, those early Christians, they they just hunkered down and obeyed all the government rules. No, they did not. Why do you think they were thrown to the lions, the early Christians? Why do you think they were burned at the stake? Why do you think that they were beheaded? Because they, they, they took a stand for God. All they had to do 
in that, in that first century church, all they had to do was take a pinch of incense, drop it in a censer, and say, Caesar is Lord. That's all they had to do, and they'd go free. But if they refuse to do that, they're tortured, they're martyred, they're, they're sewn in animal skins and fed to bears and lions, they're crucified, they're skinned alive. Are you listening to me? We want to float right on through and enjoy everything and not have any problems and stand before God and get the same reward that they're going to get. Ain't going to happen, saints. You know, I don't like that old song. Y'all familiar with that old song, Just Build Me a Cabin in the Corner of Glory Land? I don't, I don't agree with that song, but I'm wondering sometimes if that cabin in the corner, a little place of log cabins is going to be for the Christians in America. Yeah. Yeah. Praise God. 